Why, thank you, Jumbo Jim, for that wonderful, wonderful musical introduction. Man, oh man, I'll tell you, you are, uh, this is the uh, Jungle Jim Invasion. I mean, uh, every time you touch the keys of that synthesizer, it's just like historical music lesson. I can, I can feel the, the creativity blend from your fingers and just charge up those keyboards on that synthesizer, creating music that's never been heard before by anyone in humankind. That's right, that's our musical director, Jungle Jim, over there in his um, heart-shaped glasses and, and red turtleneck and uh, Jim eating all the, the bonbons and all that kind of... Settle down, cowboy. Hey, 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 get a drink of water. Chew your food and get a drink of water. Don't eat too many of those. You're going to get sick. That's Jungle Jim. I'm Tim Marr. This is Failing Up, recording this podcast in the basement studio located along the shores of the mighty Seneca River that flows all the way up to the great Lake of Ontario. You know that Lake of Ontario? Guess where it goes? It goes right to the St. Lawrence Seaway, all flowing north. Figure that out. Uh, past 1,000 islands and out into the Atlantic Ocean around the world, just like my voice. If you make a left, you're going to find yourself heading off to shuffling off to Buffalo and beautiful Toronto, Canada. Uh, 1971, the second city from Chicago opened up a uh, second city in Toronto, Canada with uh, John Candy, Gilda Radner, Eugene Levy, uh, Great, uh, Maureen O'Hara, great, and they brought up Bill Murray for a while. Great, 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 great uh, performers and and iconic comedic actors. Um, revolutionized uh, comedy as we know it today, with many others, with many others. You can tell I'm biased along with my uh, favorite David Letterman. Or you can find yourself in Buffalo. You can meander. Somehow you're going to get over a falls. You're going to get to Lake Erie. You're going to get to huge Lake Michigan. You're going to get to Lake Huron. And, of course, Lake Superior, which I believe is the superior to all the other great lakes. Is that right, Jungle Jim? I got that right? Okay. Hands off the keyboard, buddy. I'm talking. Wake up. Wake up. Yeah. Who am I going to do? You know, Jungle Jim, and you being the musical director of this show, I know you're aware of this because without, I believe without this occurrence, uh, music as we know it today and culture as we know it today uh, would be far different. It was on February. It was February seventh, nineteen sixty-four, sixty years ago, that the Beatles landed in Kennedy Airport. Pan Am Flight One Hundred and One from London to New York landed in Kennedy Airport with John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Twenty-one-year-old Paul, twenty-three-year-old John, twenty-three-year-old Ringo, and twenty-year-old George landed on February seventh. I was a young boy of five years old. Months away from attending kindergarten in that September, and um, it was the February right after, you know, it was only a few months after the assassination of a beloved uh, young youthful president that was um, providing hope and, and, and futuristic looks. And all of a sudden that was just uh, squelched with an assassin's bullet, the, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and uh, the stifling and conformist uh, structure of the 50s. Um, the Beatles opened up a gateway. They opened up a door through their music and through their wit. It was it was as if somebody had just injected a whole new part energy into um, into the world. But primarily in this one, they came to the U.S. To the U.S., it was crazy, crazy. Um, they appeared uh, two days later on Ed Sullivan on February 9th. Massive audience, a huge audience, millions in television. You couldn't even hear them. Uh, in the Ed Sullivan Theater. If you've ever been in the Ed Sullivan Theater, it's not a big place. It, it's not a big place. And to, to think that that place was just packed with, with teenagers screaming 
as these four musicians from London introduced a whole new type of music. And not only did they introduce a whole new type of music that was never heard of before, it was a, it was a complete three it was a complete cultural phenomenon. They weren't just a new band. They weren't just um, you know hit chop, uh, top charters, chart chart top. What I try to say, Jim, top chart recorders, chart chart toppers. That's what I'm trying to say. Who not price choppers, but chart toppers. They opened up a door for a whole, they just opened up the whole British invasion, you know, and followed by numerous bands. I know you always hear about the Beatles and the Stones and the Beatle and the Stones, but there were far more than, than that. You had the Rolling Stones. You had the, the, the other band that for many, uh, for probably the first year, that was uh, closest to the Beatles in look and probably in sound and, and, and hits, I would think, were the Dave Clark Five. Dave Clark Five came right out after the Beatles. And then you had the Stones. And then you had Paul Revere and the Raiders and the Kinks. Um, you had all these other um, bands and musicians from London just coming over in the massive hermits, hermits in the, in the, in the British invasion. And uh, again, it was it was music, but it was also style. It was it was the Beatle haircut. It was the whole introduction of something that you think today. Hmm, wow, that's long hair, long hair, long hair in 1960s was just radical. Long hairs and dress and and then freedom of thought. It was their music, Jungle Jim. Their music was phenomenal. Something never heard of their harmonies and their 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 guitar playing and you know they were a band that wrote their own songs. And I'm sure other musicians had written their own songs up to that point, but not like this. And they introduced songwriting, and then um, that jacked up a lot of you know it opened the doors. I argue that it even opened the doors to the music in the U.S. because the music in the U.S. then was influenced not so much maybe by the style of the Beatles, but by the movement of the Beatles. The movement of the Beatles opened up minds to opened up a creative uh, lens, which I think um, made Motown more acceptable, which made um, bands like The Doors later on and bands like um, CCR. All those bands, all that music started on February in the U.S., started on February 9th. Now, the Beatles were recording in London for um, you know, they were hit about three years before that, but this was, this was the U.S., you know, this was it, the big, and, it, and it's really hard to, un, you know, now with so much saturation of music and, uh, you know, with the advent of, of MTV in 1981 and, and, and the marketing of music and how music has become really um, uh, so commercial in a sense and, and, and just woven into the fabric of everything we do. You know, back then it was very different. Back then, you know, you had commercials, you had commercial jingles, and then you had, uh, you know, rock and roll was not part of the commercial scene until later on, maybe when I, I like to teach the world to sing. But the Beatles opened up all of that. They opened up all of that. The way you looked, the way you thought, the way, you know, even in their interviews, the way they, um, you know, when the way they were so flippant in their responses and so witty in their responses. Um, you know, irrelevant, you know, not irrelevant, irreverent, not irrelevant, they were relevant, but irreverent, you know, in their responses, opened up the minds. And of course, um, it was just happenstance, but from 1964, then everything started to change. You know, uh, protests were coming in around the Vietnam War and protests were coming in, you know, and civil rights was moving and, and the music was reflecting the times and the times reflecting the music and the styles and and, you know, led to, um, you know, the Summer of Love and up in Haight-Ashbury. And it was just, and then, you know, then you had the other, these other bands and just chopping, you know, topping, top, 
topping the charts, Jungle Jim. I can't say that to save my life. Chop, topping, 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 topping the charts. But it all, it, you know, and whether you like them or you don't like them. And I've heard people say, well, you know, they were just a boy band. They weren't just a boy band. Anybody who says that's an idiot. They weren't just a boy band. They were a band who revolutionized the music industry. You know, they were a band who gave the Stones their first hit. They, it was because of the Beatles, uh, primarily Lennon and McCartney in the beginning, writing songs that Jagger and Richards started to write songs. Their manager said, you know, if you want to take it to the next level, you've got to write your own songs. And other bands followed that. It was no longer playing covers or having songwriters. You had to, you had to, you not only had to perform at a high level, but you had to write them. You had to say something in them too, you know. So they were far from, you know, just a boy band. And as the as the decade of the '60s progressed, their music changed. You know, I don't like the later Beatle music as much as the early, but it changed. You know, um, so, you know the psychedelic albums that they did. You know, Sgt. Pepper's Only Heart Club Band and um, many of those, let it be, many of those albums just, you know, expanded the things they did in the studio, expanded the boundaries of, of what music was. And some people say, well, that wasn't rock and roll. Rock and roll was the base of what they did, but they kept pushing it and they kept pushing it. And other bands started to push things and push things, um, which led to the music you hear today, 60 years later. And what's really crazy is 60 years later, their music is as relevant in many ways today and enjoyable today as it was 60 years ago. Do people still ride elevators? Jungle? Do they? I don't know if people still ride elevators, but if they do, and the they still have Muzak. I don't know, but you're going to hear a Beatles song. I guarantee you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a guarantee. I'm gonna have a sip of coffee first. A little sip of coffee. There we go. Mm mm mm. Gotta love it. Oh yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about, little Joe to go. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to I'm going to say that I believe in the course of a month, most people in the United States of America will hear a Beatles song. Whether they know it or they don't, they will hear a Beatles song some way, somehow. They will hear a melody. They will hear background music and maybe a copy of a Beatles, but they will hear a Beatles song. The Beatles were bigger than the music. The Beatles were a phenomenon. Beatlemania was this wave that took over, and it never really ended. Even when the band ended, it never stopped. I mean, um, for Hell's Bells, they just put out a, a, a single off of a, an AI-produced single, and it went to the top of the charts. Top of the charts. Unbelievable. But it all started on February. In the U.S., they landed, and, then, and their their album "Meet the Beatles." I, you know, I have a. Let me go. Hold on a second. Ah, oh, here we go. There we go. I'm back over there. Yeah, I have a. I have an original version of the album, uh, uh, "The Beatles," Capitol Records original version, on uh, number one on test side one. I want to hold your hand. I saw her standing there. This boy. It won't be long. Uh, I've got to do and all my loving side one of the Beatles 60 years ago. This was this was the hottest ticket in the U.S. This was the Cabbage Patch style of music. Uh, side two, the flip side of uh, of the Beatles, Capitol Records, 1964. You get this album in the U.S. Side two, you have Don't Bother Me, Little Child, Till There Was You, Hold Me Tight, and Not a Second Time. Lennon McCartney, all credits for Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney, Lennon McCartney. 
This was holding in my left hand right now. This was solid gold, baby. We got, I think we got it. I forgot when we got it in our house, but I had a beetle wig. I used to go to kindergarten and the um, teacher eventually made me take off the beetle wig because uh, it was causing a problem. It was causing a stir. Is that what they call it? A stir? Um, but the Beatles influenced everything. And um, they preached love and they preached peace and they, they made great music. Wonderful music and, and a whole new culture. And it all started 60 years ago. And look where we are. And where are we 60 years later, Jungle Jim? Uh, we still have wonderful music. We have some crap out there, you know, and, and we've had eras where it became heavily synthesized. No Jungle Jim, no offense. I love you, and I love that synthesizer. You are an exception to the rule. You know, your music is grounded in, 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 in your personal influences, and I just think it's fantastic. But the Beatles, uh, you know, now in the 80s, you had synthesizers and all this kind of stuff. But I think in a lot of ways, it's gotten back to uh, the basics. Um and it's amazing is some of those bands are still going. The Beatles are hitting number one. The Stones are going out on um, tour. Although I, uh, I'm i going to do a podcast on this, uh, Rock After 50 Years Old. And I'm going to uh, do it based on a quote from um, Grace Slick that's really going to cause a shitstorm when people uh, hear that one. Maybe I'll get some Maybe I'll get some more uploads just by that. I cause a little shitstorm. But it's so nostalgic. You know, as I went into kindergarten, as I went from five to six, and I... I started to form as a fine young man, which isn't true. Um, my formative years, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, and 69, were all influenced with the Beatles. And, and, and each year, there were more bands, and there was more music, and there was more emphasis on top 40 radio and top 40 hits. And, and, uh, and the music really, really, you know, you could do two things. You know, when I was a kid, I was a little kid in the 60s. But you could really be influenced by a couple things if you were a few things if you were a kid in the '60s. Captain Kangaroo, um, the music of the time, and if you did watch the news, I used to watch the news as a kid. Uh, I don't know why I watched the world news. I think my sister, older sister, got me into it. But I used to watch the world news and the Beatles. And if you didn't watch the news, you could listen to the music, and you could just by the music you get a sense of what's going on. Bandstand was way before that, but Dick Clark's Bandstand then was bringing in all these musics. But 60 years ago, 60 years ago, five-year-old little me playing that album with a Beatle wig, with my siblings, being a Beatle, changed the world. Historic, changed the world. I'm glad they changed the world. Love the music coming out of that. Oh, I hear, I know Jungle Jim. It's time for you to jam. I can hear your music. This is Tim Marr. That's Jungle Jim. This is Failing Up. Bye-bye.